and welcome back to Beauty from the Heart. I'm your host, Rose Gallagher, and each week I'm talking to different people from the beauty industry that inspire me in different ways. Today, I am so thrilled for you to get to know Ruby Hammer. Where am I going to even begin to tell you about Ruby Hammer? I just have so many lovely things to say about her. She's a makeup artist of over 25 years. She even has an MBE for her long-standing contribution to the beauty industry. She's one half of Ruby and Millie, which I think we all absolutely loved and had a bit of in our makeup bags. She just has the most fascinating, widely spanning career. But what really sticks out to me about Ruby is there is just such a gentleness and a grace about her and even though she has all of these incredible accolades to her name she really has something very special about her spirit that I just find very soothing very inspiring and I just come out of any encounter with her feeling like I can do whatever I want to do so I hope you enjoy getting to know her here she is it's Ruby Hammer Ruby, thank you so much for joining me. I am thrilled to be speaking to you. One of the things I just want to address is the elephant in the room is we're all currently undergoing this lockdown experience. Um, so just before we start, I mean, how have you been finding lockdown? I've always been freelance. So I've I've never had an office job or have to go every day to one set place. You know, when I'm shooting, I go to a studio or I travel or whatever I have to do. And because I'm freelance, so there are, you're not working every single day. Yeah. So I have lots of days where I potter at home and I have things. But the difference with the lockdown now is this bit of where you do stay indoors. I can't yeah. go out and do a little errand and just go and get all my posts done, collect my dry cleaning, do my shopping. So we're staying home as much as we can. And thank God I've got a garden. Thank God it's not a pokey little house. I've got, it's only me and my husband at home. So to be honest, mentally, all of that I've adjusted to. The thing that I think is different is that this feeling of not having control and there's that kind of added underlined fear of you don't want to get ill. Yeah. You don't want to get ill and you don't want to be the cause of somebody else getting ill. So I visited your home just before Christmas and it's such a lovely, quite tranquil space. And I think it's been really interesting while everybody's at home that we have had this insight into people's daily habits. What are some of the things that you do that are kind of part and parcel of your routine? I'm probably doing more social media bits than I've ever done because that's what I can do. I can't go on a shoot. We talk on the phone, we do FaceTime, we do emails, whatever we can and it's all getting done on the iPad, on the phone, via social media, through Zoom, through this, through that. And we kind of work through the day like that. One of the things um, I noticed that you mentioned the other day, you had commented on that new feature on Instagram that calls out the small businesses. And one of the things I thought was really great that you'd mentioned was like even having such an established name like yours, it doesn't mean that you're not 24-7 you know working to run a business as much as the next person and I suppose there is a misconception that once you are hugely established that that work is kind of you know delegated to a whole team I suppose but it's still very much a hands-on process for you isn't it? You're very kind to say I am an established name because I've been in the industry a long 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 time I've worked back of house there's all kinds of things I've done so people sort of think oh you're this big grand name and you 
you must have, like like you said, thousands of people, a team. Well, people have got to pay a team. Yeah. I've been involved in that. And then when we did Ruby and Millie, that was another huge undertaking. But this brand that just bears my name, just me, Ruby Hammer, it's a very small team. There's only two of us. And then there's a little bit of a step forward where is our PR. And then there's an operations lady, but she's like a consultant. I've only launched last September. There's only a few of us. I haven't got offices and flash this and flash that. We are very energized and passionate about what we do. But then we've had this coronavirus for the last three months. So I was in wonderful doors. I made great headways. But those kind of uh, retail doors are shut. You know, all the nine doors of Harvey Nichols, gone. Um, I was in Soho Farmhouse, Soho Farmhouse Berlin, um, Miami. Then there's this lovely two boutiques in Sweden. Everything has been set back, set back. And we're still buoyant. I'm still hanging in there. Thank God you can buy it off my website. But it's like you said, it bears my name. So there is only me. I have a full-time employee. I have not let her go. We're doing it, but we're working out because she's also a mum. She's a young mum with two children. I've not got young children. I have to, you just have to have a bit of compassion for how everyone's working in these very weird times. And I can only pray that as many of us can stay buoyant as possible, but I know that bigger people than us have crashed and There are lots of small businesses that we all have to do the best we can to support how we can. That is it, Ruby. That's exactly it. And I think one of the things that lends itself so well to just having all of these insights as to how to adjust is just the fact that you have done so many brilliant things over the years. So can you tell us a little bit about bringing Aveda to the UK? Because I mean, that is one of my favourite, favourite brands. Well, everything is human and relationship connected. Before I was married, my Saturday job was always in Harrods. And so this is when I was still at university. I met somebody, he was my boyfriend, and he was from Minneapolis, St. Paul, which is where the founder of Aveda was from. So in my summer holidays, I went and spent six weeks with him and his family in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And his mum used to go in every Wednesday to get her hair done and her nails done. And I used to go into town with her. I've always been a bit of a sniffer hound, you know, stick my nose in here. Oh, what's this? What's that? Any country, pharmacy, stores, department stores, I go and have a wander. I'm fascinated by products, always have been. So she took me to this Aveda salon and the first product I love was this shampoo called Black Malva. So I've got black hair. So I thought, oh, I'll buy some of this. And, you know, we were together for about three, four years. We drifted apart, but we've always been friends. And then years later, the person he married was a woman called Sonia Kashuk, who was a makeup artist, and she did all the consultancy for Aveda for their makeup. So years later, we met up in New York. And at that time, my husband used to own and run the sanctuary in Covent Garden in London. And we'd just got married and he would say, what could we have? What kind of new products can we have? And it was always very French-led, European brands, how you do your facials, how you do that. I said, no, there's, there's a different thing on the world now. It's got to be a bit more organic. It's got to be a bit more holistic. And I said, we should have something like a Veda. And he tried reaching out to them. 
and it didn't happen. But this time, when we years later, we're in New York, and Daniel, my ex-boyfriend, he said, well, I'm going to Minneapolis to meet with Horse. So do you want to come with me, George? And George hopped on the plane and went with him. And they met Horse, the owner, and that conversation carried on. And then Horse sort of said, well, look, I'm going to be in Cosmoprof in Italy. Come and meet me then. So they carried on that conversation again. Then one day, George just rings me and he said, by the way, from Italy, we're all coming home. We're having dinner at home. And we continued. And then Horse said to me, I can see he's the businessman, but you tell me, how do you know it? So I told him all this. I said, I went and I bought Black Malva shampoo and then I kept in touch with their whole family where they liked British chocolate, so I'd send them British chocolate and she kept sending me Aveda products. And in that conversation, he realised George will be the business, he will make it happen, but he says, Ruby, you're the one that knows the product, you know the concept, you know the thing. I'm happy and willing to give you this business. Because it was a purely professional. It was only in salons and all that. But we were the first ones to put Aveda in a department store. So we launched it in Harvey Nichols and then Salon International for the hairdressers. And we launched it in QVC. Shock, lo and behold, there was like anarchy in America. They're going, QVC? Oh my God, you've bought it all around market and all of this. But I said to them, it doesn't have to be done, Tacky. Like now, everybody and his uncle, top brands and everyone wants to be in QVC. In those days, they were like, oh, my God, no, I don't want to be in QVC. But we did. We did it beautifully. The hair care expert, I did the makeup. It was just done classily. So we did multi-level marketing even then. Then... While this was a success, we brought Tweezerman to this country in the same kind of way. Loxitan, you know, so behind the scenes, lots of lots of things I've had a hand in that people don't realise because at the same time, I have been carrying on as an independent freelance jobbing makeup artist as well. (laughs) So you'd gone through that whole process um, of bringing such a different concept to the UK and you'd kind of identified that people wanted new things. Every one of these things, I do pretty much listen to my gut. I don't, I'm not swayed like, oh, what do people want? And then I'll give it to them. It's as though it, that, that desire or creativity or knowledge stirs in me first and then I will find a way to give it to the masses. But I don't look at what is out there. I don't do this, oh, what do people want? And then I'll come up with something. I pretty much please myself and I then think if I'm interested, I bet you there's other people would like this. But the reason I've been able to be at the forefront of things or still have a finger on the pulse is just because I keep myself alert. It's like you. You you may work with one brand, but you're aware of everything out there, aren't you? Exactly. And I think that you're so right that if you take the approach that, well, this is my set of needs and there must be other people with the same set of needs as me, if I just share my journey, it will relate to someone It's such a great approach. And I mean, a lot of those thoughts were what then went into the Ruby and Millie brand, weren't they? You'll run out of ideas somewhere if they're not giving it to you. (laughs) Where's your creativity? Where's your element of surprise and that butterflies in your tummy for something? Yeah. That's what's exciting. Not sitting there going, oh, what do the masses want? Oh, yeah, I'll just give them that then. 
<laughs> and I think what was so interesting about when you came to launch Ruby and Millie, I remember you saying to me recently, you know, it was a combination of I was the makeup artist, Millie was the consumer, and we were looking at everything from a two-pronged approach of what would an artist like to use for the best results and what does a consumer want to use that's, you know, going to make them feel fabulous that they can manage themselves? Well, exactly. She was the sort of, she calls herself the shop girl, you know, because she'd launched Shiomura in Harvey Nichols, weirdly enough. So we've got a lot in common with that Harvey Nichols. We've got a lot to be thankful to that. Um, establishment Um, and then I obviously saw it as an artist but also although she was a consumer because she was in PR and marketing she didn't have to buy a lot of stuff you know like it might be sent to her or she would acquire so there's that mentality whereas I was a consumer as well in a different way to her like I'd want to see that it worked professionally in my kit for my job, but also I'm the one that actually coughed up money. When you work hard for your money, you have to think, why did I buy that? Did I just buy it on a whim? Did I just love that packaging even though the freaking product is shit? Or did I just (laughs) love the both ways? Oh, my God, this is genius. If only it was in a better packaging or this or that. So between us, we looked at it from every angle, and we both had the same degree of passion. We looked at it from two different things, but we always drew the same conclusions. So in the end, it was a natural collaboration because she used to do the PR and marketing for us at Aveda. That's how I knew her and cemented my relationship with her. So by the time we are coming to do Ruby and Millie, I've already worked with her. Yeah. And we know each other and trust each other and all of that. So when this project came on, which is a mammoth project and completely different to anything else that had happened in our industry before, because here it was, it was a Boots' own brand. We didn't have seven million in our back pockets to 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 invest in it. They did, but we were the. They wanted us to be at the forefront of this brand, and we did everything from the formula to the packaging. She did the marketing, PR. We did the merchandising. We trained the staff. All aspects of that business were taking care of us, and they supported it and launched in Harvey Nichols, then Selfridges, before it ended up in a Boots, and it was in the bigger Boots branches because it was quite a big undertaking, took a lot of counter space, so it wasn't in every single one. It was in about 130 of their big ones. One of the things that really fascinates me in this kind of context, Ruby, is As a working makeup artist, you're so used to making the other person feel glamorous, feel confident, feel ready to take on their project. Was it then quite different to be the face of this project yourself and to be the person that was the spokesperson when you're used to getting the spokesperson feeling ready? Yes. I mean, it is is strange. That's what I said. It was a complete weird concept to be the face of it you know like we couldn't afford models because it would have been a lot of money we could have got you know they were like charging millions so am I going to put three or four million of that money into the actual product or the face of somebody you know so we made ourselves the face of it and thank god I was of a certain age but I was dark haired dark skinned Millie was blonde and she was like a young Madonna in some ways it worked because 
it came out of our passion and it wasn't some marketing man's dream. It wasn't somebody sitting there going, oh, yeah, we'll put the two of you together and then you just say these things. All right, this is the concept. It was our concept. And it must have been strange, Ruby, because like of all the people that I've said to my friends in the group chat, for example, or by the way, I'm speaking to Ruby this evening, the excitement of speaking to Ruby Hammer. I mean, you are someone as a result of that brand, as a result of the the TV programs you've been on over the years, you're one of the faces in beauty that people feel like they know. It was weird. It was weird. No, because because of how we looked on the poster and, and as a face of the brand you're all made up and you're a bit more elegant and whatever but sometimes you go to supermarket you're not really got no makeup on not got this on Millie, uh, Millie would probably have a beanie hat on so sometimes we didn't get recognized even in even in the boots would go in there and I'd like go and say who's left this mess out here and I tried to put it away and the bloody security guard would try to say what are you doing here madam and I'd say I'm this face and he'd look at me and look at that and think you don't look anything like it what are you talking about (laughs) and you know at that time when you made the brand were you surprised at how much it resonated with people were you expecting the love affair that people had with the brand no I mean Rosie to be honest you put your heart and soul into it but you don't know. You can only hope because there were things where um, when when they did the surveys and the research, it would say that it would hit a very young crowd. But we saw that we hit the young crowd and their mums. Oh, isn't that interesting? It was a lot of teenagers. That, yeah, it just it, it appealed across the board. It appealed across the board because people liked the innovation. They actually liked the way the thing looked they liked how it functioned and they liked the price because it was still reasonably priced because you couldn't have a boots customer have something at 47 pounds that you would get at Harvey Nichols or Selfridges or Harrods it was still a boots consumer you know she comes she's a mum or she's buying her nappies and her other bits and toiletries and other bits of cosmetics from the sort of high street brand but when we did it in PR and I was on 10 years younger and I'd use it on the telly I did editorial with it because there's no social media at that time you've got to realize there's no none of this Google none of this Instagram you just literally had to appeal to the sort of not snobby but the high-end beauty director and the high street consumer, but we talked to them all the same way, the same language, and just expanded it and said, look what it did. And it was a wonderful surprise to see that it resonated with people. And that was how it was meant to be. It wasn't a seasonal brand. Like, look, we had some issues in the beginning where we had bright yellow eyeshadow. And that yellow wasn't selling because we launched in September, so you've got all the winter months. And then Boots would be saying... Um, this eyeshadow doesn't sell, we have to take it out. And I'd be like, no, you can't take it out. It's not going to sell in the winter. Come the spring and we're using it to to show you how or you'll have seen it used in the spring-summer shows, you'll see. Everyone's going to want it, yeah. And we had to sort of fight for that and know that by the time it came round, yellow eyeshadow was flying out of the, you know, it was flying out. Same with yellow nail polish. Like I remember Chanel doing it years later, years later, and I'm looking at it and I'm sitting there sort of, imagine me blowing on my nails going, been there, done it, because we did it in 1996. And we had to have a lot of confidence, but it wasn't overconfidence. We just knew that 
it's seasonal. It's not just having something for spring, summer and something for autumn, winter, because all our things stayed all year round. And then the difference is also we try to tackle things like we call diversity now or inclusivity. I mean, I'm Asian. I was 38 then. I was like 20 years ago. I said, I have to have something that's a foundation or a concealer or whatever products that I can wear or people like me can wear or people darker than me can wear. You needed to have it like that. And we had that without the buzzwords that we here now. We did tackle that without knowing that's what we were doing. Yeah. But we just wanted it simply that it should be as inclusive as possible. And sometimes, again, Boots would say, well, it doesn't sell very well in this area. But I said, but I bet you it sells more in Bolton, those number 10, number 11, number 12 foundations, concealers, doesn't it? And they go, yeah. And it's funny, isn't it, how I'd say over the last few years, the high street definitely got better at having um, larger shade ranges. The high street is amazing right now. The high street is amazing. Yeah, it is. While we've been in lockdown, I've been making an effort to try lots of brands and things that I'm hearing a lot about and road test. And some of the best formulas I've found have been from the high street. But I think it's only been recent years that the shade ranges have really hit the nail on the head with the high street. I think it used to be the case that you potentially had to invest a bit more to find that perfect, perfect match. And that was just another way that Ruby and Millie were so ahead of the curve because that was always a concern consideration from day dot and I mean that must have been something that people felt very relieved about and emotional about as well exactly and you know a lot of people like on Instagram or whatever they shout about it I don't need to shout about it I it's always been part of my working ethic you know I never I always had dark colors in my kit for models or whoever my subject might be I had it in my brand and I had it in myself. I just made myself learn tricks that I would know how to do the palest girl to the darkest person. If I didn't know, I made it my business to know how to do it. Yeah. So it's it's inherent in me. So I don't I just feel it's great now, like you said. The other thing for that is because technology has advanced, Rosie. It's not just we did something and we didn't. The whole before when it was only pan sticks and a certain kind of powder, the technology now, like you can have from matte lipsticks all day to the shiniest, glossiest things to whether you want a demi-matte base to a glass-based matte or semi-matte or something to hide rosacea to give you cover or something gossamer light so it just feels like second skin the technology has has allowed us to come leaps and bounds and when that transfers through it doesn't just stay at the top end it filters through to all the price points. I totally get it. I think that at the moment, now more than ever, because we are so exposed to all of this technology, um, I almost feel like we need our experts more than ever and there is so much choice and that's when you really go back to the authorities that can just give you a decision and give you a bit of guidance. And that's how the likes of someone like you, Ruby, is always just one of those trusted people that 
everyone is going to turn to for that recommendation and that suggestion. You're very kind and that's how I would love it. But, you know, in in the interim, however social media has been great, there was a time where there was no room for an expert because they were all into influencers and I don't want to take it away from them. They're fantastic what they've managed to achieve. And if that's how you make your livelihood, why wouldn't you? But it's come back again to... Each person, whether you're a hair authority or a skin authority or a nail authority or fashion or whatever it is, you need to harness your skills and know what you're talking about. You can't just blag and waffle and get away from it, you know. And if you don't have the exact answer at your heartbeat, you can say, can I just look into that and I'll come back to you. And you'll have researched it, thought about it and come back with a proper result, not just oh, yeah, somebody's just paying me to talk about this thing or I've just tried it once on my hand and I think it's great or I've just used it on myself but you have no idea what that does to 50 other different types of skins or people. Definitely. And I always notice with you, Ruby, you're you're such a champion for your peers. Who are some of your favourite people within the industry that you've been so fortunate to enjoy your career with? It's a 30-year-long career, so I've had some wonderful highlights, you know, like really, really wonderful things. To to be able to to reach someone like Bobby Brown and look at what she's managed to establish in the industry, from like six lipsticks to now she's into wellness and she just keeps growing and yeah. she keeps giving and she keeps sharing and on a smaller scale, I'm doing the same or on a different scale if it's not. But then you've got someone like Marcia Kilgore out there from Beauty Pie. But before that, she's got Soap and Glory. Before that, she's got Fit Flops. You know, before that, she was Bliss. There are some amazing women out there. Amazing, amazing. Look at our Victoria Beckham, you know, another person who started in fashion, one of the Spice Girls, now at the top end of her sort of beauty brand. I love it. You know, someone like Pat McGrath, who's the most divine artist out there, but now she's got her own products. I'm just glad that I live in the UK and I have access to all these British brands and British women, but also the fact of having social media and it's a wider global market and global reach. We can all connect. We can send each other a direct message and hopefully somebody reaches back to you and you've started a dialogue. I'm always going to be able to do that for people, just like people have done it for me. So I'm always going to try and repay some of that wherever I can. And on a small way, look at us with our national health workers. The thing that Caroline Barnes has started, that oh, our national health It was boost. fantastic. Did you enjoy that? How amazing. And we're thrilled. Every one of us, we've done such big shoots and campaigns and every one of us was a bit nervous before your designated day and then excited and then we just fell into it and knew that we were not saving lives like these people were, but we were giving them some respite with our own skills to bring a little bit of joy in their lives and I hope it carries on and we can carry on doing that in a different way and I think as an industry it showed us that we do have compassion we have risen to it 
And we will continue to do so. It's not just about selling a product. I completely agree. I mean, for anyone that's listening that isn't 100% sure what we mentioned there, a mutual friend of ours, makeup artist Caroline Barnes, set up an initiative wherein she asked lots of her friends in the beauty industry to just host one-to-one consultations with some of the people in the NHS uh, to give them a bit of a boost on a day off, give them a bit of me time and a pamper. And it was the most enjoyable day for those of us that took part Um, but I agree Ruby I think the industry that we're in it holds so much power and you know so many people are invested in wanting to keep up with their favorite makeup artist or skincare expert for that kind of guidance what would you love to see people in our industry using their voices to do or to to spread good I think the most important thing is it showed everybody that Part of well-being, not just a superficial bit of slapping on makeup, part of your well-being and care of paying attention to your nails, your hair, all the treatments we couldn't have done professionally, but we were doing them at home, speaking to the expert to guide them through getting their hair coloured at home or showing them how to do a nail care at home. It just showed that it was part and parcel of a greater well-being and your mental health and not just oh, it's just about putting on red lipstick to attract somebody. Yeah. It showed a depth, didn't it? And it perked you up, so it gave you the boost to be able to go and face that horrible thing that we are battling against. It gave everyone a bit of hope, a real boost, and I'm I'm proud to have done that in whatever small way I've been able to do it individually and with my industry as a group. So it's shown people it's not just superficial so I I've loved that I've loved that I agree Ruby I think that there is something very powerful about when a person feels their best and sometimes their makeup or a bright dress or whatever it might be can be the catalyst to getting them to feel their best and the work that you've done whether it's you know fashion week making your own brand launching these brands into the country uh, working with women privately you've touched so many different women what would you say are some of the things you've learned about how to feel your most confident as a woman and feel the best in yourself and your own skin? Well, I think the best thing is to know that nobody is born confident. You don't just get born, you know, you you are nurtured. So by if you're lucky enough to have loving parents or siblings or friends or teachers at school, you know, like from the whole of your life, if you've had that reinforced and shown that it's okay to fail, but try again, that you've had more good fortune by people supporting you than than bringing you down. If you've had that experience yourself, and I have had it from my mum, who was my biggest champion, my father not being sexist, you know, I have two brothers, but he always made me feel that I could achieve everything the same as the boys Mm -hmm. and they should have a bit of care and courtesy about what it is to have a sister, to have a mother. I had wonderful teachers at school. I'm educated that way and I've had that upbringing. And then if you keep yourself open to know that you can't not fail at things in business or in life, but don't take it personally. Learn from those lessons and still step forward. I think the only thing we can do is face it head on. Life is here to be lived and to do it with a bit of integrity 
and you're constantly learning. So you don't know it all, so don't be that arrogant. Just always <laughs> be willing to learn, and somebody will show you. Like, I'm not very techno-savvy, but you know what? I'm willing to learn, and if somebody's patient enough, I know I'm a good student, Yeah, and I know that I'm willing. That's all I am. I'm willing. And if somebody, if I see somebody like that faltering or they need that boost, I'm more than happy to provide that because I know what a difference it makes. So it's not just always about competition. It can be healthy competition, but you don't have to bring anybody down to rise to the top yourself because one day you may be on your way down. No one's always at the top of their game. It all goes up and down. You need to remember that as a as a person and know everything isn't about making money and isn't about just the brand and isn't just about being the best at something. Sometimes it's okay to be okay. <laughs> you know, I'm just okay at this. That's fine. <laughs> I've got lots to learn and you have fun and you can not pressure yourself, but find the balance, whatever works for you. And every individual is to be valued and we bring something to this life and this table, whatever that is. Well, Ruby, that was the perfect pep talk and little dose of motivation and positivity that we all could do with hearing at this point. So thank you so much for joining me this evening. Oh, bless you. Bless you, Rosie. I would love that. And if there's any other things you ever want to talk about again, we can both talk. I would love to have it. And that's the other thing. It's like, Life goes on. It evolves. Nobody just learns something and that's all they've got to learn. There's all so many things we've learned from this lockdown. Yeah. We are really in it together and we have got to help each other get through it. And you find lessons about yourself and about humanity, don't you? You really do, do, good and bad. And we just have to learn to deal with it the best way we can. Ruby, I bet there's going to be someone that wants to reach out to you after this and just have a chat or ask you a question so if someone is listening and wants to reach out where's the best place that they can find you i think the best way is to just ruby at rubyhammer.com and send a question or on my instagram or on twitter on all the things i don't have thousands and thousands of followers but if anyone endeavors to reach out to me i will try and respond I know we're busy and I might not be able to respond then and there but I will make an effort brilliant well Ruby thank you so much for joining me it's been such a pleasure to talk to you it was absolutely a pleasure thank you thank you so much darling you take care have a lovely evening bye-bye now Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review and subscribe. It'd mean the world to me. Have a lovely day and I'll look forward to speaking to you again next time. Bye.